0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coach Danny Matranga, and in today's episode, we're gonna discuss five reasons I see people struggling to lose weight. In fact, these five reasons, more so than any other reasons I can think of, seem to show up with the most prevalence, meaning I believe these to be the five most common Mistakes people make, whether they know something about body fat loss or nothing. So these are kind of universally common mistakes that people make when they try to lose weight. So I want to break them down. Not only do I want to break them down, I also want to give you guys solutions as to help yourself or to help your friends, family, and loved ones or clients. For those of you who are coaches, I know lots of you are coaches, avoid these pitfalls and to set yourself up for success in the future. If you ever want to lose weight, if you ever need to lose weight, perhaps to look a certain way for a vacation, even if you're happy with your current weight or body composition, these habits can work in a variety of different orders to just better help you take care of your health habits and consistency with whatever it is you're trying to do. So there are five specific mistakes that I think people make. And I'd like to get into the first one which is thinking that you can do it all on your own. This does seem to be a little bit more prevalent with beginners and more common for men than it is for women. I've worked in the fitness industry for about a decade now, and I did five years at the beginning of my career working in the corporate big box gym. So I worked in a 24-hour fitness in Sonoma County, which is a pretty affluent community. Uh, To put things in perspective, California has a pretty high cost of living, but Sonoma, Napa, Marin uh, are kind of the big hubs of, I would say, Northern California's most affluent spenders. And they're all very healthy communities. So this is a community that price oftentimes wasn't a barrier for many folks who were interested in something like personal training. And so something I saw often was men seem to be more resistant to asking for help than women. But in general, a number of people think that they can do it all on their own with very, very little support. Whether it's weight loss, starting a resistance training program, starting a gym habit, going running, you name it. People tend to think all I need is for somebody to tell me what direction to walk and I will be able to walk on that path as long as I feel like it with no hiccups. And I think that that is one of the main reasons people struggle and they fail and they start fail, start fail, start fail, is because they try to walk that damn path on their own with no idea of where that Precarious route that's going to make you roll your ankle is where that shortcut that can help you avoid mistakes is, right? So, having an expert in your corner, whether it's a coach, a local personal trainer, a dietitian, a physical therapist, a cognitive behavioral therapist, depending on where you're at on your journey, having somebody in your corner who can provide you with expertise, guidance, and support is huge. In fact, I think there's four things that we can get from experts on our journeys kind of independent of whether or not they may be a fitness journey. This could be something like what I'm working on, which is not being so bad at golf. Um, It could be, you know, being a better partner in your marriage. It could be being a better parent. It could be learning how to play an instrument, right? But I think if you're looking to do something or change something about your current situation, we'll, we'll circle this back to fitness. So you're looking to lose weight, having somebody in your corner who can provide you accountability, support, education, and help you stay out of your own way, those four things are critical. So let's break down each one of those. Uh, And again, these are solutions to the problem of thinking you can do it on your own. So accountability is huge. You can get this from a friend, you can get this from a coach. It's very different from support and I'll explain how. Accountability is anchoring something you want to do or need to do to something that is going to make sure you get that thing done. So you might anchor your workouts to your workout partner, who is going to hold you accountable to being there. And if you are not there, they are going to make sure that you hear about it. And so how this shows up in my practice and what I do with my coaching company is we have a weekly check-in that is mandatory for all clients. If clients do not complete their weekly check-in, guess what, you're gonna hear from us. We're not like a lot of other coaching teams that say, oh, you didn't email us? Mm, Too bad. We're not going to reach out to you. Maybe you did your program. Maybe you didn't. I'm not concerned. I'm just going to hit your account in a month, take my subscription money, and move on to my 500 other clients. We work with a small amount of clients specifically for the reason that if somebody's not being held accountable, it is our job to reach out to them personally and make sure that they stay on track right? Because clients have bad weeks. They don't want to report. They got busy. They forgot. They they are, you know, fading on the motivational spectrum, which is normal, but perhaps they don't know that this is normal, right? Like somebody who can hold you accountable is critical to anything that you might want to accomplish. The second thing is support, Support is a big deal. Being able to ask for help, having somebody who's there to listen, having somebody who is in your corner when you make mistakes, that's support. Accountability is somebody who holds you to the plan. Somebody who can provide support is somebody who will help you if you fall off of that plan, give you guidance, right? All of these things are important. Education, I think, is a layer beyond that, which is probably going to come from somebody who has either done exactly what you need to do or who has guided somebody or many people through this. Same path. So a good example for this, of course, would be music lessons, right? Um, Support might be your mom saying, don't give up, honey, you can play the guitar. But accountability and education come from the lessons that you have booked with your guitar tutor, and the education comes from actually being told where you're making mistakes and how to adjust them. And if you do stuff on your own, unless you have really, really developed the skill of self-awareness, which most, most people have not to this level you're probably going to fall into this fourth problem, which is kind of getting in your own way. You're like a lot of the reasons that people gain weight in the first place is because they cling to beliefs and habits um, that, that get them there, right? Like you don't gain weight overnight. You have developed habits and beliefs that have in large part shaped the way that you consume food and exercise to a point where you've gained weight. And if you want to lose weight, you have obviously identified that that weight gain was counterproductive to your ultimate goals, right? So being able to get out of your own way and just have somebody set you straight is one of the biggest reasons to work with somebody, whether that be in a professional setting where you're paying for a service, you're paying for that accountability, support and education, Or try to find it from a variety of people. It takes a village sometimes, but do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're getting out of your own way and stop thinking that you can do something as complicated as body fat reduction, right? Yes, it is as simple as staying in a calorie deficit and finding a training modality you will like. That is a very simplified and reductionist viewpoint. Uh, It's very challenging to lose body fat and it's very easy to gain body fat. That's why 70% of people in the United States are overweight and 40 plus percent are obese. So getting a little help at first can be huge. And I would say in 10 years or around a decade of doing this, the number one mistake I see universally is people thinking they don't need any help at all. They can figure it all out on their own and very few people can. And they just keep making the same mistakes and they stay in the exact same place for years and years and years being chronically overweight or obese, which is one of, if not the worst things you can do for your health. Like if you want to punch out quick, you want to die fast, you want to, you know, uh, suffer from all cause mortality, uh, at a enhanced rate from and die of, what in many cases are largely preventable illness, uh, just continue to let the weight pack on or stay in a you know perpetual state of being well beyond a healthy body fat percentage and see what happens, right? Like you tell me if you think the pride of asking for help is worth the trade-off, because it's not. And like for many people, especially for men, asking for help is literally as simple as just being too proud to admit that they don't know what to do and they're not in control of their body, which is something that for me as a coach was always really sad to see. And it's one of the main reasons that I started working more with women because quite frankly, as a in-shape 20-year-old dude, like there weren't a lot of 30, 40, 50-year-old men who felt they could get beyond their ego to ask for help. And I find that women are much better at doing this. And so I ended up working with women who not only weren't afraid to ask for help, initially, they were excited to continue to get accountability, support, and education throughout that weight loss journey. So, you know, if you got a man in your life or you're a listener who's a guy or, you know, whatever that may be, like if your pride is getting in the way of you asking for help, uh, you will pay the price for that down the road. So the number two mistake that I think people make is doing too much in the gym and not enough in the kitchen. Uh, and this is just the perpetual notion that just seems to be impossible to kill of, you know, being able to outwork poor nutritional decisions. And so, what I mean by that is this you do not have the ability, in all likelihood, to out train the consumption habits of the traditional American diet. Meaning, like, most people overeat by a substantial amount, they're consistently surrounded by hyper palatable foods, they drink a couple. Times a week, not necessarily every day, but oftentimes they're consuming some amount of alcohol or very much uh, consuming caloric laden beverages, such as sweetened coffees and sodas, right? Like if you just look at kind of the general trend of how people eat and the general amount of food people eat, and you compare that to popular resistance training exercise modalities like lifting weights or CrossFit or popular aerobic exercise modalities like HIIT cardio, hiking, walking, jogging. You can see why many people start exercising and don't see the results they want when it comes to weight loss. And that's because if you don't change your diet, it is not going to happen. And a good example I could give you for this is the Assault Bike, which is one of my favorite pieces of, of, of equipment. It's a hand and leg bike where the arms and legs work simultaneously. My favorite model is actually made by Rogue and they call their version the Echo Bike. And it tells you how many calories you burn. And if you absolutely rip on that thing as hard as you can, and you set the program to burn 10 calories, and you rip it as hard as you can, and you try to burn 10 calories as fast as possible, you will probably feel like throwing up at the end of it. It's brutal. And that is the equivalent, that 10 calories of one tortilla chip. I find that this metaphor works pretty well for explaining to people that even rigorous, pain-inducing, vomit-inducing exercise is not efficient enough for most people to lose body fat on their own. I broke my toe on a flight to Bandon, Oregon to play golf for four days for my best friend's bachelor party last week. I broke my toe. I had to walk 70 holes, 70 plus holes of golf with my bag and a broken toe with no shoes. And I ate... Like shit, the entire four day period. There's a point to this. Trust me, we're getting there. My weight was pretty stable. My weight did not change much despite me eating a lot more food than normal. But you know what did change? Walking with a 50 pound golf bag barefoot with a broken toe. That's important because that changed how I walked. That made my walking substantially less efficient. So I was burning more calories, right? And I stayed about the same weight. So, point being, To maintain my weight while eating like shit, I had to walk fucking 11 miles a day with horrible efficiency and a 50-pound bag around my neck. And that was just enough to maintain my weight. Like, had I played less golf, I probably would have gained weight. And that was an absurd amount of exercise. Like, most people do not have the time to walk 10, 11 miles a day, let alone run it. They're not at that fitness level, right? So my point is... Unless you have the time and desire to do an absurd amount of movement, it's very important to focus on your diet and remember that you cannot outwork a bad diet. If your diet is tight and it's where it needs to be, you can do whatever the hell you want in the gym. I would recommend doing more resistance training than cardio because I feel that maintaining muscle and building strength is better long-term for the metabolism than just pounding away at cardiovascular exercise. But cardiovascular exercise is extremely good. So do both. Uh, Do whatever the hell floats your boat, but don't get it twisted. Uh, You should not be concerned with how many calories you're burning in the gym. You should be concerned with how many calories you're putting in your mouth. What's going on, guys? Taking a break from this episode to tell you a little bit about my coaching company, Core Coaching Method. More specifically, our app-based training. We partnered with Train Heroic to bring app-based training to you using the best technology and best user interface possible. You can join either my home heroes team or you can train from home with bands and dumbbells, or Elite Physique, which is a female bodybuilding focused program where you can train at the gym with equipment designed specifically to help you develop strength, as well as the glutes, hamstrings, quads, and back. I have more teams coming planned for a variety of different fitness levels. But what's cool about this is when you join these programs, you get programming that's updated every single week the sets to do, the reps to do, exercise tutorials filmed by me with me and my team. So you'll get my exact coaching expertise as to how to perform the movement, whether you're training at home or you're training in the gym. And again, these teams are somewhat specific. So you'll find other members of those communities looking to pursue similar goals at similar fitness levels. You can chat, ask questions, upload form for form review, ask for substitutions. It's a really cool training community and you can try it completely free. For seven days, just click the link in the podcast description below. Can't wait to see you in the Core Coaching Collective, my app based training community. Back to the show. Hey guys, taking a break from the show to tell you about our amazing sports nutrition partner, Legion. Legion makes the best evidence based formulas for sports performance, sports nutrition, recovery, and fat loss. I don't recommend many supplements. In fact, I think you can get the majority of the nutrition you need from a whole foods diet. But let's be honest, many of us are either on the go and need assistance, or quite frankly, we're not gonna settle for average and we want to get the absolute most we can out of our training. So Legion is the company I go to for all of my supplement staples, whether it's creatine, which I get from their product Recharge, my protein that I get from either Whey Plus or Plant Plus, two of the best tasting proteins on the market. They come in a variety of flavors and they don't have a ton of fillers and gum. Just whey made from grass-fed cows from Ireland in a plant protein blend with a fully comprehensive dose of amino acids. I like to take a pre-workout. Sometimes I like it with caffeine. Sometimes I like to enjoy coffee in the morning and have my pre-workout later without caffeine. Legion makes both. Both the pre-workout with caffeine and without come with a full dosage of clinically effective ingredients like beta alanine betaine anhydrous, and L-citrulline to help you perform your best. They also make a phenomenal greens powder loaded with one of my favorite things, reishi mushroom, and a men's and women's multivitamin that contain a few different things that men and women might need for their unique physiology. So when you think of your vitamins, your fish oil, your pre-workout, your protein, all of the things that many of you take every single day, I'd encourage you to check out Legion. They have an amazing line, wonderful products, wonderful flavors, naturally sweetened, no dyes and colors. You can't go wrong. You can shop using the show notes below or by going to legionathletics.com and checking out using the promo code Danny. That will save you 20% and... It will actually help you get two times points towards future orders, which you can use the same as cash. Pretty cool, guys. So head over to legionathletics.com and check out using the promo code Danny to save on all your sports supplement needs. Back to the show. Taking a little break from the action here to tell you about our amazing partner, Seed. Seed makes the best probiotic supplement on the market, bar none. I'm very confident with that because I think that the probiotic space and the gut health space in general is filled with people who have no idea what they're talking about or who are looking to make a buck. This isn't to say your gut health isn't important. In fact, it's probably one of the most important and most intriguing developments we have seen in modern medicine and modern physiology. Our relationship with our guts is critical. It's crucial. And taking care of that by eating a lot of Different plants, a lot of different fruits and vegetables, getting a diverse array of fiber and resistant starches can go a long way, but so can supplementing with a high quality probiotic. Seed makes the best probiotic on the market with 53.6 billion active fluorescent units. These are organisms that are going to be alive and helping transfer a variety of different benefits to the human host. All these things are actually proven to work in humans. These strains work in humans, not rodents. Seed is not uh, cheaping out here. by providing you with any random strain. They're providing you with strains that help with digestive health, gut immunity, gut barrier integrity, dermatological health, cardiovascular health, micronutrient synthesis, as well as many other things. They're vegan, gluten free, dairy free, soy free, um, nut free, shellfish free. So, very friendly for those of you who may have a variety of different allergies and who are looking for a supplement you can take that can enhance a variety of different things. I have a very, very uh, good track record over many, many years of having to deal with things like eczema and having to deal with things like psoriasis on occasion, especially when the weather changes. And I swear to you, since I started taking seed, I have noticed substantially less of that. And there's four strains included in seed shown to help with things like atopic dermatitis. So there you go. Not to mention the plethora of strains for the health of your gut. If you're looking to take your gut health to the next level, you can go to seed.com. Subscribe for their daily symbiotic. You can take one or two a day. You can share it with a partner. Sometimes you can do that, um, but it goes a long way. It's the best probiotic supplement on the market. I absolutely love it, and you can use the code Danny fifteen to save. Back to the show. Moving on to mistake number three, or you know, let's call it most commonly made error number three. And that is neglecting environment design. And so what I mean by this is like, if you think you can just totally flip upside down 180, how you eat and your exercise habits without first redesigning the space that you live in, the space that you eat in, space that you work in, you're probably gonna have a harder time than you need to. Designing your environment or optimizing your environment for any task is really important. Example, would you want a TV with your favorite, a highly distracting television show directly above your workspace or would you want that TV in an entirely separate room so that you could be free from distraction assuming that getting enough work done is the most important thing about this space so what i mean by that is if you're trying to watch your diet do you want to have a bunch of potato chips and tortilla chips or whatever food you have a tendency to overconsume front and center in your pantry do you even want to have them in your house right uh and environment design extends beyond the kitchen it extends to people so do you have a bunch of haters and overweight people that want to bring you down when you try to lose weight, or thin people who make fun of you if you don't want to lose weight and you're just trying to build strength, right? Like, if you have haters or mean people or people bringing you down in whatever journey you're on, especially a a journey in which you're trying to probably change habits around your, your eating consumption, your food behavior, and your exercise, a lot of people who don't want to make those changes or aren't ready to make those changes or who are intimidated or fearful of the work required to make those changes will bring you down. It's an unfortunate thing that people have a tendency to do. It's to say, I wish I could do that, but because I don't want to and this other person does, I'm deeply deeply concerned that they might actually accomplish this and that could in some capacity highlight my inability to do it so I need to tear them down before they see success and there aren't a million people out there like that but there's enough of them out there that you should audit the people that you keep around you when you are trying to do this if there are people that are doubting you hating on you and they aren't providing accountability support or education if they're providing a bunch of unnecessary critiques and just bagging on you or making fun of you move those people right along, right? So design your environment for success, meaning silence the haters, put them on mute, don't give them the time of day, whatever. Redesign your space that you eat in. This could be done a variety of different ways from moving the foods that you have a tendency to overconsume to the highest point of your pantry or the back of your pantry or prepackaging them into single serving containers so you don't overeat them. You just eat one serving. It could mean not bringing them in the house at all. It could mean switching large plates for smaller plates. It could mean placing water bottles uh, in spaces and places where you're inclined to grab them on the go so that you are always staying hydrated. There's so many ways to design your environment for success. Can mean building a home gym and can mean changing your gym membership, right? Like, this is more of an ecosystem change than an environment change, but changing your gym membership to one closer to your house so you can always stop and have less excuses, right? Like, people oftentimes think they need to just totally get through the weight loss dilemma with grin and bearing it, just fucking suck it up and just do it. But if you actually design your environment for success before you start, it's so much better. It would be like going and hiking a mountain um, and actually, you know, like standing and talking with the tour guide and, uh, you know, getting insights as to what the best path to take was. And, you know, maybe having somebody walk the path before and make sure it's good or walking the path a couple times yourself and and getting an eyeball on it, like optimize before you start the journey so you don't have so much friction along the way. Uh, This can just be such a huge, huge difference maker. And I have, I would say that like more people are aware of the fault or, or the, uh, uh, the common mistake of thinking you can do it on your own. And more people are aware of the notion that you cannot work a bad diet than they are that you can design your environment for success. So I, I see this mistake all the time. And I think it's such an easy, easy, easy first step, like you don't even have to start exercising. You don't even have to change your diet. You can just say, okay, what are the things in my environment or my day-to-day habits or routines that are counterproductive ultimately to my goal of losing weight? Okay, number four, and more of you probably know this because you follow me or if you follow me or you've listened to the podcast before, but that is, uh, and this is a very common mistake, is underestimating the importance of sleep when it comes to body fat reduction, right? So sleep is when we repair, it's when we recover, we clear our brain of all of these different metabolites. Um, If you don't get enough sleep, it will affect your mood, it will dysregulate your appetite, it will dysregulate important hormones like growth hormone leptin, ghrelin, testosterone, estrogen, right? Not getting enough sleep isn't just bad for your physiology in some esoteric hard to understand way. No, it's very clear. Not getting enough sleep enhances your strength gains. It enhances your muscularity. It enhances the body's ability to produce important hormones and not getting enough of it can be detrimental in all the opposite reasons. It'll make it harder to stick to your diet because decision-making is unfortunately negatively affected by lack of sleep. Have you ever heard the whole all sleep on it thing? Yeah, there's a reason for that. And that's that sleep is good for your decision-making capabilities. And if you are trying to lose body fat in an environment where you have the opportunity to make decisions consistently that are not aligned with your goals. Meaning like, oh, do I grab a handful of trail mix at the receptionist's desk? Do I stop at my favorite fast food restaurant on the way home? If you are more capable of saying no to those decisions that you are presented with that will set you back, that's helpful. Sleep helps you do that. Additionally, if you take two people and you put them on the same exact diet with the same exact training program and you have one get six hours of sleep and one get eight hours of sleep, assuming we're putting these people on a deficit, guess which one loses more weight? They actually lose the same amount of weight. Guess which one loses more fat? That's right, the one that gets more sleep. In fact, a lot of the weight that people lose when they're in a deficit and not getting enough sleep unfortunately, is muscle. I have trained a number of clients over the years who desperately want to lose body fat, and they have a hellacious time of doing it with five to six hours of sleep compared to seven to eight. It's not to say that you can't do it. You absolutely can, but it is a little bit harder when you're in that five to six range. So if you're in that five to six range and you got kids, you got no way around it, you've got to be really tight with your accountability, support, and education. You've got to be tight on the fundamental mechanics of how your you know, caloric intake to expenditure works, meaning don't be overeating and, and stick with that diet. And you really want to design your environment right. Uh, if you get that seven to nine hours of sleep, you still have to be tight on those three things, but you'll just find it's a lot easier to stay tight on those three things. Uh, getting into the fifth and perhaps uh, final final for today anyway, I think we could easily make this a 10, 20 item list, but these were the top five. Uh, But this is what I like to call the psychological dilemma that a lot of people run into. So the the, the first one is a little bit psychological. Uh, The second one is just an error, fundamental error in reasoning. The third one is probably conceptual in that it's hard to think of your environment, uh, your actual environment as perhaps being somewhat connected to your weight loss, this one makes a lot of sense. And it's the stock market mentality, meaning the minute the scale goes up, people panic, they freak out, they they want to throw the whole thing away, burn it and start over. And you see this a lot in the stock world, the real estate world, the crypto world. But it's this idea of like, Oh, my God, my we had one bad day in the stock market, I'm panicking, I want to sell or a stock had one bad day, I'm panicking, I want to sell. Um, when in fact, what most educated investors would say, is to just find and select good companies that you think have long-term growth potential or to just buy the entire index, like for example, an S&P 500 index that holds the top 500 companies um, and just buy that and just let time do its thing. Meaning if you know you've got the right stuff and you know that long-term the right stuff will make you money, just buy the right stuff and hold it for a while and you'll be good. You will have good days and you will have bad days, but you won't be freaking out. And so I think it's the same with dieting. Uh, Are you hitting your deficit? Awesome. Are you hitting your deficit most of the time? Check. Are you hitting your workouts? Good. Check. Okay. You're going to see the scale go up and down, but it will mostly go down so long as you do those things. So on the days it goes up, don't freak out, quit, and think you need to reinvent the wheel. Like start. In the same way you might want to invest in the S&P 500 index because it contains the 500 best companies in the world, you might also want to start with a diet and training protocol that is sustainable, somebody to hold you accountable, not overdoing it in the gym, but really staying tight on the diet and designing your environment. And once you have done that, getting good sleep too, getting good sleep too. Once you have done that, set it and forget it show up and do it. And when you are highly accountable, right? And you're very, very much compliant and things slow down, then you make adjustments, set it and forget. It sounds like you never have to make adjustments. You have to make adjustments. That's what we do as coaches. We help people make adjustments after we've set the initial and preliminary program. But if you aren't, you know, showing any resilience when you get a little bit of friction or the scale goes up and you want to go all the way back to step 1 and redesign the whole thing D- that that's going to be exhausting and that's why so many people gain and lose the same 10 20 pounds for the entirety of their adult life start smart bring someone on board to hopefully help you get into a situation where you can be successful stick to it diligently attack your goals violently do the best you can when you make mistakes and you fuck up cuz you will we all do it's, it's totally normal. Just get support. Ask for a little education around how you can avoid that mistake or minimize the impact of that mistake next time. And stay the course. Don't panic sell. Don't freak out. Focus on trends, not blips. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to help the show grow and help more people hear episodes like this, you can do me a huge favor and leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. There's literally nothing you can do to help a podcast grow more than that and telling your friends about it and sharing each and every episode. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next one.